You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. It's funny, I was just playing a song, and then Ryan goes, who's that? I go, it's DeBarge. Like I was going to know. And he was like, I don't know. I goes, you know them? You're like, no. I don't, uh, rarely do I get them right. It's all right, it's an 80s thing, man. I'm lost in the 80s. I'm lost in emotion. Do you get that reference too? Lost in emotion. Anyway, <laughs> that's Lisa Lisa and the Colt Jam off the coast. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying your week your weekday, your weekend, uh, and you're feeling good and you're doing stuff for yourself, man. Uh, you know, I've been going through the surgery. It's like a, a week and a half now and, um, starting to feel a little bit better. Thank you for all the wishing wells, kiss and tells. It's another song from the eighties or maybe it's the nineties. Anyway, we've got a great podcast today. Just, uh, letting you know, um, we're going to get right to it, but, uh, please subscribe if you're listening today for the Leslie Jordan. Um, and you like the podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe and listen to other episodes. You might just learn something. You might like it. So uh, tell them where they, where they could do that. Uh, at Inside of You Pod on Twitter, at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, YouTube.com slash Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum if you want to watch it. Yes, absolutely. You can watch it on YouTube or listen uh, all those places Ryan just said. And uh, make sure if you'd like to, uh, the podcast, if you want to, if you like it, you want to um, join Patreon to support the podcast a little more, just go to Patreon.com slash Inside of You. P-A-T-R-E-O-N, Patreon, it's like a big family and it's become a lot of friends, friends, ha friendships have, uh, uh, what's the word? Spawned. I was going to say spawned. I really <laughs> was going to say spawned, which is an odd word, but I was going to say spawned. It's <laughs> it kind is of a weird word. It is with spawned. Um, so go to Patreon and you, there's so many great things about that. Uh, you get ask me questions on a segment. You get to ask the guest questions. You get uh, packages every few months with a sign autograph by me and a little note from me. But hey, it's been a great week. I hope you guys are rocking and let's get into this episode. This is uh, a guy who, you know, him from Will and Grace. He's also got uh, millions and millions of followers. His, his following has just exploded, hasn't it, Ryan? Yeah, all of a sudden he found a place on Instagram. Oh, dude, he's got more followers than anybody I know. I mean, really, I mean, people just love watching his TikToks and his Instagram. I wish I, I hope I'm not vivacious when I'm, you know, in my 60s. I don't I don't think I am now. <laughs> but uh he really tells it all he does he's got a book out he's uh he's pretty magnificent he's uh just a, a little ball of fun a little ball of fun and um very likable a likable guy and uh, i think you're gonna really enjoy this and he talks about everything so why don't we just get into it let's get inside of leslie jordan it's my point of view you're listening to inside of you Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. You like recording in your bedroom, I noticed, Leslie. This is where the action happens. <laughs> <laughs> that bad ain't seen no action <laughs> That's not true. You have a love life, don't you? I do. I don't talk about it. It's a long, long five-year affair. It's insane and crazy, and I, I'm not allowed to talk about it because you you would faint. I could whisper it to you, but... So you've had a, a hot, flaming, loving relationship for five years that's been pretty intense that you can't talk about. It's like a, a Vanity Fair article waiting to happen. Do you, anyway. Does the other person, is he just, he won't let you say anything? He doesn't want it out there? He's just very... um you would know with his job and everything, he's got a very, very high pressure job and stuff. And it's more, it's more about that. All right. well, we really can't go there. Well, I'm glad that you're fulfilled. You seem like you're, uh, 
you know, you're fulfilled, I guess. I'm fulfilled, very fulfilled. Everything, you know, I, I, I lay in bed at night and I can't, I want to make a list. I'm perfectly happy with who I am, what I am. I have no worries, none. My family, you know, the, the, the phone will ring and my identical twin sisters was like, mother's got to go in the hospital and get, they're going to, they're going to shock her heart. I said, what? Well, it was not even a really bad procedure. I just talked to her and they do, <laughs> they go in and just shock it to get it back on rhythm. And it's not that big a deal. And I got her to laugh. I said, well, you've shocked me for years and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and so, you know, 87 year old mother in good health, family in good health, a couple of dollars in the bank. You know, it's just, what can you ask for? Well, so, well, it's funny because we have a segment we just started called, well, it's like your, your book's called How Y'all Doing, but we have a segment called how you doing? How you doing? And it's a mental health check-in. And so you kind of answer that you feel like mentally, mentally, you feel pretty damn good. I do. And I, um, I, uh, have not always been that way. I've had drug problems. I've had, you know, I look back on my drug years and alcohol years started at 14. It was an easy, it's, I remember the first thought when I got high, how easy it was to be gay, how you know, how, how, first of all, I had never used drugs and, and I'd always been kind of awkward and, and it was that I had this secret, but it wasn't the kind of thing that I needed to worry about. It, I, I don't think people would have cared even back then when I ended up telling people in high school, I said, listen, I've got a deep secret. I'm gay. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the secret is you're like a gay murderer. Or <laughs> is there more to this secret? Yeah. And so, but anyway, when I, when I finally, um, you know, came to terms with that, it was like, I, um, I knew, you know, I just didn't have any problems with it. It's weird. You know, I, I fell out of the womb. I landed in my mother's high heels. And so I've always been, you know, comfortable with myself. And that was this other little thing. So anyway. How old are you? How old are you, Leslie? 66. And you're so vibrant. I see you dancing your ass off on the Instagram. And by the way, 66 isn't old. You're not old. But 66 is still, for someone to be dancing around and having as much fun as you are, I think people, it's pretty obvious. I think they're envious. They're like, they want your life, especially at your age. People say, God, how could this guy be so happy? Well, here's, here's my mantra. Happiness is a choice. Happiness is a habit and happiness is something you have to work for. And I work really hard. I, I know that I have problems with sugar. So I eat right. You know, I know that I have problems, you know, it, I eat right. I exercise. It's either the mirror. I was gifted with this wonderful thing called the mirror, which is a huge yep. life-size mirror. They put me through my paces and I fuss at him. They can't hear me. He says, do one more. I say, fuck you. No. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Like, I have one that's an echelon where they sit there and they talk to you and they go, all right, five more reps. And you can sit there and say what you want because obviously they can't hear say you. What you want. <laughs> but I either do my mirror or I swim. I love to swim. I just did 10 laps. You know, I do something. I eat right. I sleep. I decided when I was 60 years old that at six o'clock, the curtain goes down. 
And all my friends go, what do you mean? I go, exactly what I said. And I mean it. And they go, no, no, no. We're going to go have dinner. No, I'll have lunch. Six o'clock, the curtain goes down. I'm getting ready. By nine o'clock, everything's unplugged. Ten o'clock down. You know, I, I sleep. And I can sleep 10 hours. So wow, I mean, know, you can really turn so off. I have to. You, you, you turn know, you off. Have to work at it. It's not going to happen. You, you know, turn your shit do. off. You turn all your electronics off, like they're done an hour before you go to bed or something. Yeah, I have to. Because you could be addicted turn, to that. I turn the TV off. I turn anything off. I turn. I wander, and then I get you know get it, get ready to get into bed. And I've usually got a book I'm reading. And you know what else? I, I'm very, very lucky in that I, I do not know the feeling of loneliness. I'm not lonely ever. Really? I felt it some when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, especially, you know, I talk to friends and then I just get so lonesome. I want somebody. I don't. <laughs> I got somebody. <laughs> well, that's uh, the difference. You got somebody. That's why they're lonely. <laughs> they they don't have anybody. If they're lonely and you're like, well, I'm not lonely because I have someone. <laughs> Well, he adores me and I adore him, but we're in separate cities. So, right. You said happiness is a, a habit. So, are you saying ha- you create what, what is that? What does that mean? It means that you make a habit of it. You know, in other words, if you wake up every morning and say, shit, what is it? If, if you create good habits, if you get up in the morning and say, okay, how can I make this a great day? What, you know, I've got this to do. I've got this to do. I, got, I don't want to do this but I got to do it. Well, you got to do it, you know, and you make a habit of not, um, you know, not going there and you make a habit of getting up and smiling and, and saying hello to people and, you know, just all that bullshit. Right. Little Mary sunshine, <laughs> just little Mary sunshine. But I, um, I try to make a habit of being happy. You know, that's what I want to be. Just like you want to have a habit of, of, yeah. No, I think it's and important. Then and then it'll just kind of happen. That's where you'll go. You're grateful. You go to bed, you say your gratitude, yeah, you're grateful, grateful for grateful the thing. Is another word. That's what they teach us in recovery. I'm 22 months, you know, off the sauce. And wow. that's, that's part of it. Alcohol, alcohol, no alcohol and no drugs and no cigarette is a big part of it. You know, that's that hard to get off mind. that stuff. Isn't that hard? Was it very difficult for you to get off that? Uh-uh, 12 days in the men's central jail. That's all it took. In the men's <laughs> central jail, what what happened at the jail that you decided, I can't do this anymore? I was sitting there, and um, the judge had said, uh, I'm going to give you, if you mess up, I'm going to give you 120 days. And I messed up. And I showed up back in there, and I got 120 days in the men's central jail. And um, I was... You know, people think that it's, uh, I don't know. I had a friend, a gay friend who said, was it erotic? No, <laughs> erotic. <laughs> Did you see people showering like mean prisoners? I go, no, I saw ugly, fat people, nasty, ugly, horrid people. And it wasn't funny. And it's like the playground and they were mean to me. But you know, it's what happened after I got to jail that made the big difference. I, I got it. I did my time. And when I got out, I got my first job and it was on Caroline in the city. I remember the show. And I had never worked completely sober. I mean, not that I was ever really loaded at work, but 
I was either coming off of some weekend bender or, or looking forward. Anyway, I went to my sponsor at the time and I said, listen, I, I'm, I don't know how to work. I don't know what to do. He said, okay, I'm going to tell you something. You show up to be of loving service. I said, oh, that's a bunch of pablum. That's bullshit. What am I, hippie? I'm going to show up of, lo lo of loving service. What, I'm going to show up with flowers? He said, no, no, no. Now listen to me. I want you to show up and be of service to your director. This means that you have your lines learned. This means that it's his project. It's his story. He is the director. You as the actor are allowed to bring things, you know, on board, but you you are of service to a director. You're of service to producers. Therefore, you are on time. You don't make waves. You know, you you show up. You you're you're a worker among workers. Ugh. They said you're of service to your fellow actors, which means you don't steal the show. He gave me this whole list. So I show up, and I and the first day I got there, this little tiny script supervisor. I wish I could remember her name. She whispered in my ear. She said, "A little bird told me you're getting sober." She said, "I have 35 years. Do you need any advice or anything? You come my way. Sit by me." I thought, "Wow." I said, well, I'm supposed to be of service. She goes, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. So I was of service for Caroline in the City, and I'm telling you, it changed the way I work today. I don't think about it today, but people use me over and over because I don't make waves. I show up. I have my lines learned. I, you know, I'm a, an actor among actors. I do, you know, I, I do my job, and, and, and directors know that they can um, – they can uh, rely on me. you. They can rely on you. That was probably the biggest gift getting sober gave me. Because, you know, you don't think like that when you're, you know, so when you're not sober. Were you more ornery or did, did you did you ever get angry um, when you were drinking? Because you look like someone who doesn't get angry at all. No, I do. And I'll, I'll tell you why. It's it's all chemical. Sugar, the blood sugar and the alcohol. Get your blood sugar going, and I am the life of the party. And my friend can do, he said, you will turn on a dime. He said, you'll turn on me like a mother-in-law. <laughs> I said, what He said, we'll be just talking, and all of a sudden you'll go, hey, listen, it's not always about you. And every time that we are drinking, my friend will say, let's see, we go through this every time. We promise. I go, no, 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 I don't want to fight. I just want you to know that it's not always about you. And I would fight, fight, fight. And then I drank in a bar down on Santa Monica Boulevard, rough old bar, because I liked rough old boys back then. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the kind you pay to go home with. It was rough. And, and they used to say, you can always tell when Leslie's working, there's not a boy on the boulevard that doesn't have on brand new tennis shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you? Old boys, this boy, and the, the guy, Benji, that was the bartender, because I would hit him. I had a temper. Slap him right across the <laughs> Wait a minute. So you, you, you like these tough, big guys, and you'd come at them, and a lot of times they didn't want anything to do with you, and you'd still come at them? Well, we'd be having, we'd be talking, you know, about something, and, and then it would just turn. I don't know. And I'd smack him like, like a girl would smack, you know. And Benji would grab me before the guy could get to me and lock me in the 
um, where they kept the beer in the back. I got a timeout. I had to sit back. You just looked for trouble. You were looking for trouble. I was looking for trouble. And I'd, Benji said I'd knock on the door and open it about this. So I said, Benji, he'd go, get in there. No, you can't come out yet. And he said, I go, I love you. <laughs> Did you ever pay Benji a visit after you got sober and just to say, Hey, I got no, some. But I see him. He doesn't work there anymore. It's not, it's not even there. Hunter's is right next to the, the, the avocado hamburger place. that's so famous. It's sweeter. I think on Santa Monica Boulevard, there's fat burger. That was the corner right there. That was the corner right there. There was hunters and all those old rough bars. We're talking the eighties. We're talking right. too. We're talking a long, long time ago, and that's when the boys worked the boulevard. See, they would work the boulevard. They had crack habits, forty dollars, so they had to turn a trick to get their crack. And so they were very busy. You know, it's a busy, <laughs> busy time. Do you, hey, do you? Let me ask you. Do you think people? Obviously, they look at you and they're like, "Oh my god, this guy's hysterical. He's so funny. We got to hire him. We got you get hired to do all these funny roles." Is there a part of you that wants to do more drama? Do you think you could handle something really dark and something where you just are completely the opposite of pe who people think you are? I do. I had a, a professor in, in college who uh, was really rough on me. He told me later on, I, I couldn't understand why he was so rough on me. He wasn't rough on everybody else. And I couldn't do anything right, you know? And he finally pulled me aside at the, after the, four years. And he said, do you know that you're capable of genuine artistry? I said, no, I don't, I do not know that there's where you are. You're that good of an actor, but you are so lazy. I have never seen an actor as lazy as you. And no matter how hard I've tried, you're going to end up on some sitcom and you're going to do really well, but no one will ever know. Wow. And I thought, wow. When I was hired to do, um, the uh, American Horror Story, the first season, I didn't know Jessica Lange. I didn't know anything. I showed up on set down in New Orleans, and I had flown. I wasn't even in L.A. I was on another job, so I just kind of flew in real fast. And I turned around, and they said, Leslie, have you met Jessica? And I said, Jessica? <laughs> I laughed in her face. I said, oh, my God, Jessica Lange. No way. No way. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. I said, Well, Sarah Paulson shows up. I said, Yeah. <laughs> Sarah Paulson. I said, it's like, a, uh, it's like a kindergarten where there's two apples and an orange. Were you, were you just excited? Well, I remember thinking what my professor told me, and I thought, I know how to work. I know how to work. I can do this. And I buckled down, you know, and I, I pulled it out of my ass. And, I, you know, Ryan Murphy has used me over and over and over. Not really big parts, but boy, he'll stick me in when he needs that kind of comedic uh, relief, but still serious. Loves to murder me. Oh, I can't tell you how much <laughs> Ryan has murdered me. <laughs> but um, we, uh, that's that's when it, I figured out, you know, that that's, because I'm the funny guy that comes in with the zinger. 
you know, like on Will and Grace. That's my job. I've done it. I won an Emmy doing it. You See, did. I got that in there. I do it. I do it. But but I'm 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 really privileged to have someone like Ryan Murphy. My friend Del Shores writes things for me. Every once in a while, you know, somebody will think outside the box. And there's one out there. I want to be like Mickey Rooney playing that um that mentally challenged guy, you know, or something in his late. 70s something's going to come along where people are going to go oh my word him yep i've got yep. it in me have you ever grown a beard or a no. mustache ever oh yeah in high school it would it matched that blues as we say in the south mustache. this show is sponsored by better help i don't know how many times i have to talk about this but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like, the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash inside. Inside of You is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You And you did it. You told I me. Found, I got Rocket Money. <laughs> I, I found one. It. I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God. It was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming, uh, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you, you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. 
Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. And I like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. You should have had a mustache when you sang at the Grand Ole Opry in that blue suit. That would have been sweet. Can you believe that just came out of the sky? That was just I was unbelievable. Doing, I was asked, it, it started out here in LA. I was asked to do the cover of a magazine called Alpha. It's fairly new. It's And so there was this wonderful uh, crystal, wonderful uh, um, stylist that started just putting things on me, put that blue suit on. But it didn't have any of the accoutrement. You know, it had none of that. It was just a blue suit. She told me it was from Gucci, and so I believed her. And then later on, I was telling everybody in Nashville, you know this is a Gucci. She said, I was kidding. This is not a Gucci. It's a Wrangler. This is the cheapest. <laughs> but anyway, so she, um, during, during the middle of that, I was asked to sing at the Grand Ole Opry because I had been doing Sunday hymn singing with my friend Travis Howard. Yeah. And Mike Lotus uh, produced it for us, and Danny Myrick, and it got to be really big. We just sang these old Southern hymns in the studio every Sunday. So we threw together an album called Companies Coming, which got released. And we made a list of everybody we want to sing with, from Eddie Vedder to Dolly Parton. To, they all said yes. So here we went. So we've got, I've got an album out right now called Companies Coming. I've got a duet with uh, Eddie Vedder's going to win a Grammy. Wait, 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 why? Whoa. You have a duet with Eddie Vedder and are you singing a hymn? We're singing an old hymn. It's a, not a hymn. It was written in the format of a hymn. It was written for Eddie. It's called he who hideth me. And it's about this sort of universe. You can call it God. You can call it whatever, but whatever it is, we'll take, he will, he, she, whatever. Will hide with me. Will take care of me. It's the most beautiful song you have ever. You can hear it right now. We released it last week. All right, guys, listen. You got to listen to this. How do you not want to hear Leslie Jordan with Eddie Vedder? You have to get this immediately. Or I know I this? am. Right after this, Leslie Jordan with Dolly Parton. I mean, how are Dolly you not Parton. starstruck when you meet Dolly Parton? Well, you're beyond starstruck because the first thing you think that the, she might be a little bit of a joke or something. She's a, she's as smart as a wheel. She's as smart as a whip and she looks right at you and talks to you. And it, it she's she's everything you think she would be. That little tiny waist and that butt. She's got this little <laughs> butt, this little Dolly Parton butt. She's 75 years old and looks like a million dollars. And she has been Dolly since the 50s. You know, all these girls have changed their hairdos and their hairstyles and this. The, put the skirts up, the skirts down, the this, that, not Dolly. She found her look, and she's been with it, and she's so smart and so 
good. You know, they're just people that are just good. She still, to this day, at 75 years old, still can sing. I told her, I said, Dolly, I went and saw you in 1973. She said, you did not. You made that up. I said, no, I did. I said, I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. You were up in Sevierville, Tennessee. You sang at the high school auditorium. She said, that was the year Jolene came out, and I did sing at the high school auditorium, but you weren't there. You made that up. And I said, uh, okay, I'm going to give you opening line. Hey, everybody, I'm Dolly Parton. What's a country girl without her haystack? Because you had your hair up. <laughs> she said, you were there. You were there. But what's it like when you're singing with her? When you're well, you don't get to sing anymore with people because of COVID. I don't know if it's the future of the recording industry, but you lay your track down. Right. The closest I got was to Tanya on one of my songs. I got Tanya Tucker. We were in in the studio, but we were separated by glass. Um, I didn't get anywhere near Eddie. He was in Hawaii and laid his down there. Um, I didn't get anywhere near Randy Carlisle or. Well, hang on a second. Do you lay your vocals down first and then they go in or was it vice versa? The reason that we do that, I think, is so that they can, because they're the better singer, I think, really, they can do more with harmony and this and that. And then, but there's a lot of going back and forth. Like, I'll go back in. Dolly talk the whole time. Well, in this way, don't you love this, Leslie? And I had to go back in and answer she talked and then she doofed up, I'm on my way. And then she talked, she talked, Lisa, this is so much fun. These hymns make me feel good. And blah, blah, blah. Her whole family sang on my song, on my album. My album's going to win a grand. And wait a minute. And so she'll talk, then you'll go back in the studio and you have to write something that sounds kind of conversational. Well, I have to just answer her, answer whatever she said or what, what that. It's amazing what those engineers can do, man. Wow. They can find that one. There's a lot of auto-tune going on. Uh, Dolly even said to me at one time, Dolly said, now listen, when when, when my family and I were doing this, there's one where I did my own harmony. So when we do this live, we will have to get someone from the backup to do. I said, when we do this live, it had never crossed my (laughs) mind that I might stand on a stage. Well, you might be going to the Grand Ole Opry sometime again and singing with her. I just said, oh, my God, Dolly. And and so uh, we'll see. We'll see. See, I'm not a good singer. I'm a hymn singer. I'm just a hymn singer. I grew up singing hymns. And there's a way, which, like your, my mother said, Leslie, just sing out for the Lord. That's all you care about. You're just singing for the lowers. <laughs> so you didn't care. You just went and went back and just let it out. Can you give me a little bit of I'm working on a building for my Lord that you're singing from the Grand Ole Opry? I'm working on a building. I'm a, if I was a liar, i tell you what I'd do. I'd just keep on lying and start working on a building. Do I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building for my Lord. For my Lord. Yes. Holy Ghost building. And you were moving out there. For my Lord. Oh, my Lord. I love it. And and Osborne, one of the Osborne brothers, he looked at you and goes, you're stealing the show. That's what he said to you. By the way, on your Instagram, I thought it was hilarious. You were talking about Dolly. Speaking to Dolly Parton, you're talking about Dolly Parton, Parton, your goat, the goat story. We had a goat named Dolly that had those great big milk sacks. That was the sweetest little goat. I don't want to tell you how it ended. The coyotes got her. But anyway, it did not end well. This was out in Fresno, California. 
she'd wander down the shed row with her little milk sacks swing, and she was cute as her thing, <laughs> bleating. And and uh, she kept the horses calm. A lot of a lot of horse stables will have goats and pygmy goats around. They just kind of calm the horses. But she figured out it's it's you have no idea how hot it is. We were actually in a little town called Madeira. How hot it is. She figured out if she went into the bathroom and flushed the toilet, the warm water rolled out and cold water, she got her a cold drink. So the guys were delivering the hay and here she came just sauntering down. Here comes gossip. Well, there's old Dolly Parton. Well, she went in the bathroom. You heard a few minutes, you heard it flush and she came out. I thought she had gone to the bathroom. The guys delivering the hay. One of them looked at me and said, no way. I go, mm-hmm. Dolly's with it. Oh my God. Do you love all the, the attention that you get on Instagram? Do you just really, I mean, are you surprised still when you see a hundred thousand, 200,000 views and likes? And do you feel like this is an audience that you have to go keep going back on stage and, and give them love and, and joy? I do. I feel also, I like the fact that I would say out of my almost 6 million followers, over half of them had never seen me on television. Because for all these 40 years, I've been working in TV. And so people knew me as my roles. You know what I mean? And I'm like, well, and Bryce, I'm kind of snarky and this and that. So that means that all these other people that I've talked to, because I said, did you know me on TV? No, I, I discovered you here on the internet. I've discovered me, just me, you know, and I love that, that, that they keep coming back just to, to hear me. And um, it's, what a wonderful thing it is, Instagram, keeping everybody. I'm sure with kids, it's like you have kids that never look up ever. You don't even know what they look like, the kid. But anyway, what a wonderful way to, to, to reach out to one another and, to, you know, there's there's the bad side of it, but the good side to, you know, keep in touch and uh, this and that. And I, I just love the, the, the fact that um, so many people, you know, I couldn't believe it when I had 20,000. I said, people want to hear what I've said. And then here they came, just millions. Who are these people? Have you ever thought of having your own talk show? I have, but you know what? I'm better. I like I like acting, and I'm afraid that goes away. See, once you get that talk show, they never get, and I really, really enjoy acting. Like on this little sitcom I've got, I, I just wait. I, I, it's the best job I ever had. Call me Cat. And Mayan Bialik is our executive producer. She's an actress on it as well, yeah. which doubles the fun because she knows what actors need to work. And here we are over an empty, Warner Brothers, by the way, right now is empty. You drive, it's so sad to drive onto an empty, not soundstage, an empty lot. There's nobody there. And then you park in your little given spot and you walk into an empty soundstage. The makeup people have shields Aye. and they have to wear white jumpers and they make you up and then they put you back in your shield and everything and you're put back in your room. You to sit in that dressing room forever. And then the, the cameras get ready and there's nobody there and we make comedy with no laughter. Because, see, there's nobody. Our kind of show should have been multicam and should be shooting in front of an audience. And it'll be years, I think. I really do think it will be years before. But an audience, and so there's no audience. 
And the, you know, the, the, I tell the camera all the time, laugh, laugh. <laughs> and all you ever hear is the writer, the one writer over there that wrote that joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's always that one guy. It's always, a, that's, it must be his episode. That's his episode. That's his joke. And you have to say, it's not that funny. <laughs> is it hard for they you? They said to me one time, and yeah. then they add the laughter. I said to them, they said, you're, you're taking a beat here you don't need. Just go back here. Because here's the laugh. And I said, no, I feel this is the laugh. They go, the laugh is where we put it. And we're going to put it there. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, how, how y'all doing is the book that's out now, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that your, is that, look at that. Leslie Jordan, how y'all doing? What it's does it say? It's tiny, by the way. I don't know. When you first get it, you'll notice. It's a tiny little book. It's an it's easy read, right? Book. Easy read. It's a very easy read. And what do you get into? Essays. What do you talk about? Well, I start out um, about the Instagram and how I wasn't used to that and how that enhanced my comedy and that I learned to uh go on the Instagram and get a, get a story that I thought would take forever on stage down to a minute. And uh, how I was able to find a, a beginning, a middle, an end, and it, it enhanced it. And how, anyway, how my comedy began to work so well under the that. And then um, I just had 11, I was very lucky. See, they came to me. L-K-E-L-L-E-K-E-C-K, e -L -L -E -K -E -C -K, Miss L. Miss L. Keck, one of the big editors at, um, what, who is my, uh, not William Morris, my publishers are. <laughs> Miriam Webster? No, I don't know. Uh, no, the other ones. Ro Ryan, do you know Harper one? Collins. Oh. My publishers at HarperCollins. HarperCollins, came, big one. Came to me, set up a phone interview, and they said, we, we see a book. We see it coming from your del del delightful Instagram posts. And we see a name. We want to we want to call it "How Y'all Doing." They came to me with a book, a name, and a big sack of money. Really? <laughs> big old sack of money. I said, "My gosh, that much!" And then wow. they said, "Start writing." And we like this story. This story. It was already beautifully organized. I called them in about a month, and I said, "Well, I got something, something for you." And they go, "What do you got a chapter for us to read?" I said, "No, I got the book." <laughs> How many pages is this book? My book, after all these acknowledgments, <laughs> is 195 pages. You guys could read that quickly. Look at that. And I bet it's a bundle of laughs in there. They laid it out. I, I kind of liked the way they laid it out. They laid it out, even though I would have a story, they would take the story and make it into several little stories that got little, you know, well... Anyway, they got little uh, pictures of, a, of a, uh, like this. You know, there would be part of the story. And then. I like pictures. That's how I read. I need well, pictures. Shoot. I need pictures. You know, there'd be a little piece of like glasses. Oh, look at that. Leslie's glasses in there. They'd break it yeah, up. And then, the, and then the, another story would continue within the story. So it is an easy read. It's Didn't your mom, what's the first lines that your mom got upset with and said, that's vulgar. Was that that book? Yes, well, shit was the first line in it. <laughs> she said, you weren't raised that way, son. Why Why would you? Why? And I said, oh, I was just being silly, Mom. I just said, well, shit, how y'all doing? It's not that bad of a word. She said, well, you weren't raised, you know, to talk like that. And I said, bought you a condo. 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. You said you were baptized 14 times. Were you just being funny? Yeah, I made a lot of that up. I was baptized a lot over the years. We would go, you know, there would be a church camp that they would give a, and be a, I think, oh, I'd like to get baptized in the lake. We'd have it out there. But I didn't get baptized 14 times. But every time that the preacher would say, would the lost sinner please come forward? I would think to myself, you know, I've been having bad thoughts about those boys. I'm thinking about boys, you know. I'd go forward. And I had that secret, you know, that that I couldn't tell anybody. And I was a good kid, and I was a good little Christian boy who just kept going forward. But um, it shows how kids today, and I work with so many LGBTQ, LMNOP, wherever it ends today, kids, and I work with them and how they learn to hate themselves in the pew of a church, no matter what religion it was, you know, Catholic or you know, even Buddhists and Muslims, you know, they just learned that hate. And I, I, my hero right now is Brandy Carlisle, the singer, because she calls herself, she says, I'm a gay woman of faith. And she said, when you're a gay woman of faith, you have had to work so hard to hold on to that faith, to find out what that faith is about, because you've been told this and you've been read this. You have to, with you and your God, you know, you have to, Anyway, she speaks it so eloquently, I can't. But yeah, you're doing a good job. You know, we have to, if we're going to be gay people of faith, which I, I like that, I'm comfortable with that. For a long time, I, I went back to Alcoholics Anonymous, and I would go to the meetings and garner, garner comfort because I was just used to meetings. But those aren't even like now. You know, that's I need more than even that than an AA meeting. I need a, you know... I need to check in, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough because we've been raised and taught and, 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 you know, nobody would listen. Well, it's tough enough, you know, grow, you know, as a kid, just growing up and being in high school and there's these cliques and, you know, you don't fit in. And I was too, you know, I was short. I didn't, I didn't have a, a lot of friends. I wasn't popular, but then you're in the small town. You're in, well, you're in Chattanooga and you're Christian and in the Bible, it's telling you that, oh, well, these are sinners. And you're thinking, that's me, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm having these yeah, thoughts, but I can't it. control myself. I mean, that's got to be, I mean, just the utmost and horrible experiences as a kid. I mean, and you couldn't talk to anybody, right? I talked to my mom when I was 12. I told my mom and, and she listened and I thought for sure she'd pull out her Bible. We didn't even have a name. I didn't know gay. I, I'm I, queer. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what I was trying to tell her. She understood, you know, the light she had to stay with. And she took a very deep breath and she said, Leslie, if this is the path you choose, which now, I mean, I didn't choose. There was no, I fell out of the womb and landed in, you know, her high heels. There was no choice anywhere. Never once did I sit down and make a choice. Right. Why would someone choose to be something that society's going to make fun of you about? She said, if you choose this, then 
if I was you, I would live a quiet life, you know, because if not, I'm, I'm afraid that you would be subject to ridicule. And I could not bear that. I couldn't bear it. Wow. And I thought, oh, that's so sweet. And so I just laid a quiet life, as you can <laughs> see. <laughs> so you totally listened to her. <laughs> I took her lesson. You know, now 50, 50 yards of purple should fall and come flying out of my mouth. And I'm leading a quiet life. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, uh, you ever get starstruck? Who, who makes you starstruck? Who's the one person that you really just go, holy shit? Um, Jessica did, um, because Jessica, Jessica Lang was a star, and she kept, you know, to her. Usually you've met um, so many. I was really, I worked with Dustin Hoffman many, many years ago on the movie. And I was so struck with him, and he just adored me. He kept coming over, whispering things to me and getting me in trouble, and he wanted me to. He was at odds with the director on the picture. He knew the picture took place in Chicago. He goes, you got a pretty good Southern accent. You ought to lay it on thick. I said, okay, I will. So I got the director would come over and say, why are you laying your Southern? This is Chicago. And I said, um, Destin told him to do No, don't. And so then Destin come over and said, what did he say to you? I said, well, he told me not to. He goes, do it thicker. Do it thick as you can. I'll take care of you, I promise. So <laughs> I got no cousin. So I was starstruck with Dustin Hoffman. Were you always a prankster? Were you in high school? Were you a class clown? Were they always like, you know, because I was that guy that like, Rosenbaum, go do that. Go say that. Get in trouble. Were you that guy who would do anything for a laugh? No, I, I had my own ways of getting laughed. You know, I, I, if, if I was trying to get the laugh and it looked like I was trying to get the laugh, I wasn't comfortable. I was able to just kind of get the laugh. I tell you, one time, George Clooney was such a prankster. I worked with him, and he went to the uh, wardrobe department. He said, does he wear the same suit every day? We did a series called Bodies of Evidence long before he did even ER. Wow. He, was, he wasn't even well known. But I had such a crush on him because he was so handsome. And so, um, oh, I was just, oh, George, George, George. <laughs> and so he said, he told him in the wardrobe department, Take his pants out one inch every day. Pull out a one inch. So I, I was on a diet. And I'd been on this diet and I'd been telling everybody about it. And so I say, remember that diet I told you about? I didn't lose any pounds. I weighed myself as one but little. Well, by the third day, they were just hanging out. I had to get this bill I thought I had discovered this miracle diet. <laughs> I was telling about, I said, y'all, it's a miracle. The, the, it just sheds away. Sheds away. You really were buying into it, thinking you are losing all this weight, and George Clooney was just fucking with you? Laughing every day at me. Hey, this is called Shit Talking with Leslie Jordan. These are my patrons who, who uh, I love, and they have some questions. This is from Leanne P. As things are starting to open up after the quarantine, what are you looking forward to doing the most? Eating out. I'm just a big, I love to eat out at restaurants. And I eat out by myself. You know, some people say, oh, I can never do that. I do it all the time. I don't think twice. As long as before, as long as before 6 p.m. You don't, as long but as. I, I'm looking forward to getting back out to eating out at restaurants. Kelly S., I love your Sunday morning hymn session with Travis Howard. How did you get your passion to perform those gospel songs? You sound wonderful. Well, because I started singing them from the time I was two or three. Seriously, two or three years old, we would sing those old hymns. 
And in the Baptist church, sometimes if there's not enough hymnals to go around, the preacher will say the words kind of quite, you know, uh, and, and, you know, uh, this little lamb, you know, so this little lamb. And so I knew, I knew the words. And when uh, I found an old Baptist hymnal, and when I opened it up to show Travis, we just about sprang because we knew every single word. It was wow. the fabric of our childhood. It was everything we had ever heard growing up, you know, and not that we believed it or didn't believe it. It didn't matter. It was just the, the words, you know, and, and the, the tunes. And I don't care if you're, you know, Jewish or Muslim or Buddhist or, or Christian or how you were raised. This music is wonderful. I'm hoping people will just take it for what it is. You know, we're not proselytizing by any means. But, well- Little Lisa says, Leslie, could you please tell us about one of your favorite behind the scenes moments on Will and Grace? Something that no one's heard, maybe. Well, this is going to kind of tell on myself, but before I started on Will and Grace, people came up to me and said, that Megan Mullally is brilliant. You may have met your match. (laughs) She may be funny, but honey, she's no rested. So, you know, we went to rehearsal and she didn't do that beat that that voice during rehearsal much, <laughs> yeah. you know, and she she's she's like me. She loves business. If she's going to pick up a, a, a drink and talk, she's going to do it, and she's going to have it. And she says that word. She, that's how she memorizes, I think. She's like me. She likes she likes her business. She's also not one to like a lot of preparation. She won't, you know, I'll say, do you want to run lines? No. So, <laughs> but anyway, we walked up, you know, in front of an audience. And I said my line, well, well, well. And just uh, the house just hollered, hollered, hollered. And all of a sudden, I turned around and looked at her, and a comedic tsunami, I mean, it was a tsunami, hit me with whatever her next line was. And that place went ballistic, and she looked at me like, okay. And I looked at her like, okay. And it was like, it's on. And, you know, we, we're not good friends, really. We don't hang out with each other. But when we're, we are so competitive on stage. And she wins because of those titties. She always, <laughs> like, if, if, I, if, I get, if I get the last line and get the big lick, all she's got to do is she'll look at me and go. <laughs> and that's it. And that's it. And I say, bitch. Do you think she liked you? Did you like each other or not really? Oh, yeah. You did? No, we adore one another. You still talk to and each you other. Know, it's, it's more than just a mutual admiration of uh, we're both Southern. She's from Oklahoma City. I knew her mother, Martha, who died recently. And so, you know, it's uh, uh, it's that. It's that. And then also, uh, you know, I adore her. Her husband's so adorable because he's nine feet, you know, and she's my high. Like, uh, Oh my God, his name slips my mind. You know. Oh, who's yeah. Megan Malay, Ma- yeah, who's Megan Mullally married to? What's his name from uh, Nick Offerman? From Nick Offerman. Nick. Yeah, I always forget. He's a funny guy. Funny guy. You know, this person just says, Steph A says, Leslie, I just want you to know how much you mean to me. You're such a genuine and loving person. You've helped me feel more secure in myself and in my life. From Will and Grace to now, you've kept me laughing and learning both. Lots of love to you. And that's sweet. Isn't that the nicest thing? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, you, I guess you're. I mean, it's infectious. I'm so glad I quit snorting crystal meth. 
How did, <laughs> what's it? By the way, what's it like uh, snorting? Sound that <laughs> how does someone get into crystal meth? I mean, uh, you know, you're- here's how it happened. It was it was a sad situation, but it happened in the gay bars and it happened in the eighties, and it was called Tina. And it was a you would do a little dance, a little little bump on the dance floor, and it was better than cocaine because it lasted so long. But what, what happened is you do a big old rail of that, Tina, you're up six hours. And I mean, you're up, you're up 10 hours. So it's like know? speed. It's, it's like speed. Speed. And so everybody on the dance floor at the after hours clubs, that's the only way, you know, you can step to and put an awful feeling to walk out of probe on Highland on a Sunday morning and see people dressed for church, happy <laughs> <laughs> with their children. Oh my God. And you're like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> get out of my way. <laughs> what were the downs, though? The ups are so great, but the downs are absolutely the worst. Horrendous. And you lost people. I mean, people, the people committed suicide. It was like, you know, they just didn't think that it, it's not like a hangover. It's just like you, you think it's the end of the world. It's just, uh, you can't, and you're very, very, very paranoid. That's where, when you see, um, uh, Aluminum foil on windows and, and some weird house painted black with security around you. Quicker. <laughs> and it and it took a really long time to get my thinking back. I I liked it because one burp and everything goes slow. Everybody else, because I'm so hyper anyway, it just had a chemical reaction on me where it just slowed me down. And I remember thinking, I said to the guy who gave it to me, Jimmy, I said, can you get me a little tiny bit of this every day for like the rest of my life? <laughs> right. And I'll just do like, a, I'll just do a little bit and then life will be wonderful. Well, that's so what, yeah. Well, that's what ADD, ADD medication is. The people who are like, I'm, I'm a hyperactive. And if I take something like a Vyvanse or whatever, it slows me down and I'm able to focus more. So yeah. it's the same thing. And you begin to think, oh, so this, this is normal. This is, oh my God. So this is the way everybody else is. And I've been up here all yeah. these years. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. Everybody. It's hard being up there. It's hard being just always like this because it's, it's calming down. It's just, it's just really hard to calm down. And then you get really depressed when you go home alone and you start to think about, oh my God, what did I do? What did I say? Why do I always have to be funny? Why do I always have to be the center of attention? Why can't I just be normal? What the hell's wrong with me? You would start feeling you like You are that. preaching to the choir. Yeah. You are preaching to the choir. But you're through it now. Now you're good. I'm through 22 years clean, completely sober, and, you know, happier than I've ever been. And it's uh, it was a journey that I look back sometimes and I, I think to myself, I don't know that. I don't know who that was. I don't know who that was. They stayed up for six days and then went to a, uh, an audition. And the casting director is now dead. The casting director called me in. He was a gay man, thank God. He said, um, I don't you go home and get some sleep. I said, no, I really want to audition. He goes, you really don't want to audition. Wow. <laughs> you've, been up six, you've been up a long time. I had been up six days, and I was going to try to audition for this. I even remember the part. It was uh, Return of the Living uh, Dead. Maybe you would have <laughs> no, gotten that one. <laughs> It was hilarious. They wanted an Irish accent, which I couldn't do. And it was going to be, um, there was, uh, what what's Tatum O'Neill's dad's name? Uh, Tatum, uh, 
Uh, uh, what's his name from uh, Love? Love uh, with Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, what's his name? Farrah Fawcett and something O'Neill. Ryan O'Neill. Ryan O'Neill. I was going into the room to audition. You'll know. You'll know. <laughs> <laughs> ow, ow. So, <laughs> well, good for him. At least he, did he, he didn't tell your agents or anything, did he? <laughs> no. That was good. Well, you know what? This has been really lovely. This has been really nice. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, was this all right for you? Did you have fun? I did. Thank you for allowing me to be inside of you today, and I really enjoyed this conversation. I'll talk to you soon. I do, and you're wonderful at what you do. You're wonderful. Well, definitely interesting. He's an infectious personality, I would say. Yes, I would say that too. I think that uh, it's it's just a combination of the personality with the accent. He just jumps into things like that, and anything he talks about just seems like it's funny. Like if I just jumped in and I talked about those things that no one would think it was that funny. No, no, he's got a. He can make anything funny. He can. He fell right out of his mama's womb into her high heels, into a pair of high heels. So funny, uh, brilliant. So thank you, Leslie Jordan, for being on the podcast. You were uh, you were a fun guest. And um, just a reminder: if you want to um, subscribe to the podcast, uh, you could do that very easily on YouTube or on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple. Please write a review if you like it. Certainly helps the podcast out. Send it to your friends. Um, and you could uh, subscribe. Also, the handles are on Instagram and, and Facebook. There, what Ryan? Oh, at Inside of You Podcast and on Facebook, and then uh, the Twitter. The Twitter's inside at Inside of You Pod. That's correct. So, write a review. Join us. Join the family. Also, if you want to join Patreon, that's a wonderful thing to help the podcast in other ways. I will send you a message. Um, it's it's a great thing. The Patreon. If you haven't, if you have no idea what Patreon is, I'll just explain it to you in a few sentences. Top tiers on the Patreon get packages from me every few months. They get to ask questions, ask me questions on a segment I have, random spur of the moment YouTube lives with me playing guitar, discounts on the inside of you online store. You know, it's it's a lot of fun. And so many people have become such good friends through Patreon. And uh, it just, uh, it makes me really happy. So all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash inside of you and become a member today. And I'll write you a message. Um, also the inside of you store, why don't we just go with back surgery 10 for 10% off anything on the inside of you store. We've got small of the lunchboxes, Lex Luthor pictures, a journal signed by me, Funko Pops, mugs, shirts, the list goes on. Also, my band, sunspin.com. You go to sunspin.com and you get all the crazy merch there. You could also get book Zooms with me and Rob, 10-minute Zooms. It'd be fun. Maybe Ryan will be on with those Zooms sometime. I don't know. I can't tell you what Ryan's going to do. I don't know what Ryan's going to do. Yeah, you don't even know what Ryan's going to do. Mm-mm. Also, just uh, if you're writing this down, uh, I'm going to be at Comic Palooza. Just go to comicpalooza.com in Houston. Get tickets to see me on July 17th and 18th. It's going to be a lot of fun. So July 17th, 18th, just go to comicpalooza.com. And also uh, coming down the road in September, I'll be at Dragon Con September 4th. Tom Welling and I will be together. Lexington, Lexington Comic Con, uh, September 9th. Welling and I will also be together. And then West Virginia MountaineerComicCon.com. You can go to it's Mountaineer Comic Con September twenty fourth weekend. I'm getting going, Ryan. I'm getting going on these on these um, seriously on the conventions. It's been that's back in high gear. Yeah, like a year, year and a half since I've been doing it, and certainly I miss it. Certainly the fans miss it. So uh, I'm curious to see what it's going to be like. If it's going to be just a shit show, mm-hmm. like you know, I, in a good way. Like hopefully there'll be a lot of people out there just you know protecting themselves, and you know they're hopefully vaccinated and mm-hmm. uh, you know to protect people around them. Mm-hmm and themselves nonetheless i just i'm excited to see people 
and engage in people. I wonder if my anxiety levels will go up. Probably a little. What do you do? You just. Uh, I mean, have you been on a on a plane since the pandemic started? Yeah, once I went and saw my grandparents. Oh, that's right. That's right. My grandmother. Sorry, my grandpa's dad. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. <laughs> he just looked at me. Didn't even think it was funny. Segway. Segway. And by the way, there's been a lot of stuff of, of press about um, the Smallville animated series, and it just kind of went wild. And it's because Tom, my buddy Tom Welling, said something. Well, just I don't think it's a big secret, but uh, we're working on something. And um, I think it's, it's special and hopefully we'll be able to make it. And we've got some special people involved. And that's all I could say. And uh, we'll leave it at that until I have more news. But uh, I'll let you know that I'm doing everything I can to make uh, things come to fruition. And these things take a lot of time. So uh, be patient and um, hopefully uh, be there when I need you for support. Why don't we do the uh, patrons shout outs? These are the patrons who give a little bit extra, a lot extra, and uh, they deserve a shout out at the end of each show. So why don't I do that, Ryan? Uh, why don't you? Why don't you take a sip of your Here we coffee go. and then do it. Nancy D, Mary B, Leah S, Trisha F, Sarah V, Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill E, Brian H, Lauren G, Nico P, Robin S, Jerry W, Robert B, Jason W, Apathian, Kristen K, Amelia O, Allison L, Lucas M, Raj C, Joshua D, Emily S, CJP, Samantha M, Jennifer N, Stacy L, Carly H, Carly S, Jen S, Jamal F, Janelle B, Tab of the 272, not to be confused with. Tab of the 273. We can't miss that ever. Mm -hmm. I try to just keep reading, but I can't. I can't stop. Kimberly E, Mike E, Eldon Supremo, 99 More, Amira, Santiago M, Sarah F, Chad W, Liam P, Ray A, Maya P, Maddie S, Kendrick F, Ashley E, Shannon D, Matt W, Belinda N, Kevin V, James R, Chris H, Dave H, Samantha S, Spider-Man Chase, Sheila G, Brad. That's what I just randomly said, Brad. Yeah, it's Brad. Brad. Yeah, Brad. Brad D. Brad, yeah. Ray H, Tab of the T, Tom N, Suzanne B, Liliana A, Michelle K, Marcus. I love you, Marcus W, Hannah B, Michael S. We got Talia M, Andrew T, uh, Betsy. We've got Betsy D. We've got Clara M, Betsy D. See how I said that? I read it as an O for some reason because it looks like an O because I can't see very well with my contacts. Uh, Last time she let me know, she said, it's not Betsy L. I go, I know it's not. It's Bess Betsy D'Onofrio. See, did I say that right? Because now I'm thinking Vincent D'Onofrio. Betsy D'Onofrio. Betsy D'Onofrio, anything. She's going to kill me. Who else we got? Claire M, Liz J, Laura L, Chad L, Rochelle, Nathan E, Taylor K, Marion, and here's the end of the list, but not the worst part of the list. The faves, no. Okay. Meg K, Janelle P, Trav L, Dan N, Diane R, Ojeda. That wasn't how you spelled it. Sa said it. What was it? Ajeda. Ajeda? It's Ajeda. Ajeda. Lorraine G, Veronica K, Big Stevie W, Kendall T, Carol D, Sandy B, Angel M, Eric C, Rhiannon C, Stephen M, Corey K, Super Sam, Emily C, Sherry S, Coleman G, David C, Michelle A, Riley J, Matt W, Liz L, Jeremy C, Andy T, Cody R, Chris E, Sebastian K, Gavinator, Ann H, Elliot M, John B, and Brandy D. That is uh, that is all of the amazing patrons. Again, if you want to join Patreon, patreon.com slash inside of you. Join the family today. So many people become such close friends on it, and I love it. And uh uh, I, I had no idea that Patreon would would blow up like this, but uh, a lot of these people I, I, I call friends. They're just uh, amazing people. And, you know, you think some people, times people say, well, how do you differentiate between fans and friends? Well, that, that's easy. You have to keep them separate. But at the same time, 
you meet some people who are just incredibly respectful and they're not trying to get into your life. They're just, they're just become sort of part of your life in a way. They're just really good people. You get, you, people say, do you ever get weirdos? I mean, occasionally you do. And then you have to kind of say, hey, you're, I'm uncomfortable. But that rarely happens. People are so respectful. And that really is, uh, that's just a cool thing when you're not, when you don't feel uncomfortable at all. I don't feel uncomfortable with all, with any patron. They just, for the most part, 99% of them, just fucking good people. Giving, loving, sweet, affectionate, good folk. Giving, loving, loving. Uh, thank you so much for listening today. This has been a real treat. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed Leslie Jordan. Hopefully you'll stick around for next week's episode. Um, most of the people who are sticking around right now and listening are people that, uh, that love me and I love back anyway. So uh, from Ryan Tejas here in the Hollywood Hills. From Michael Rosenbaum over there. Yeah, we're going to look up there and we'll give a wave to the camera. Thank you so much for allowing to be inside of each and every one of you. Um, I love being here. I love, uh, I love doing the show and I hope you love listening. And until next time. Keep your pants on. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did. And they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.